0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bob sets Podcast. My guest today, my interviewer today, is Canadian legend, not that he hasn't had influence in the rest of the world, Jake Gold. He literally built the Tragically Hip, a legendary band whose lead singer tragically died back in October. He was also a judge on Canadian Idol, also a huge prog rock fan and involved in other things, Jake Great to have you here.
1: Oh, great to be here, Bob. I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts, and I'm, I really like the welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm always curious as to why three welcomes, versus oh, one or two. You
0: know, it's a direct <laughs> ripoff from John Oliver.
1: Okay. John okay. Oliver
0: goes, you know, and as I say, this is something I say for those people who read me on a regular basis. I say, what kind of crazy, fucked up world is it? Everyone thinks that I made that up. no. And I've even written this and people don't remember. That's Chris Rock. Chris Rock said 15 years ago famously, what kind of crazy fucked up world do we live in where the best golfer is black and the best rapper is white? Meaning Tiger Woods oh, at Eminem. An, an
1: Eminem. and Eminem. And also you write, what have we learned?
0: Is that from Stern? No, 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 no. What have we learned is my original. I don't know where I've gotten that. Did Stern take that from you? He, that's original. Some of these things like an attention economy. I saw a guy in like Bill Maher who used to work for Google talk about attention economy. I never saw that anywhere else. What have we learned? I've been doing for about 20 years. It usually stops people in our tracks. I remember I was backstage with Cat Stevens and the manager of Pearl Jam, Kelly, who's also uh, Kelly ma- Curtis. Yes, who's also co-manager of Cat uh, Stevens. And I say, what if we're talking about Cat Stephen's come back. And I go, what have we learned? He looks at and goes, what do you mean what have we learned? Because usually it's half people, they give an answer, but not that time. But it's interesting because Stern now
1: all the time near the end of his interviews right. will say, what have we learned?
0: Well, I'm always worried. You know, I'm good with Howard. I hear from his buggy Jimmy Kimmel on a regular basis. Jimmy Kimmel, who I've only met in real life once— you know, I had this issue. I was in the hospital. Can I send food? Just an amazing guy, right, but I'm worried because uh Robert Plant was on Howard' Stern, and I talked about Plant's reluctance to answer and to play along with Howard. I read that, and since then Howard hasn't mentioned me, so I, if, I wonder if what if Howard's pissed at me well, uh, I think
1: Howard's got thick skin, but he not really. you know it's interesting because I heard you on the wrap up show a couple of times right, and um. You know me. I've been bugging you for a long time. You need to go on Howard. Right. But you won't do it.
0: Well, it's funny. Uh, I did Tony Hawk's Sirius XM show for Faction Talk two days ago. And Tony and wa- you had Tony here before yes, that. Yes, also. Right. right. And uh, Tony, we wanted to talk a lot of Stern. And he was telling a lot of different stories. He said he wouldn't go on. And he said, for the same reasons I told you I wouldn't go on. Jake, I hear you're worth $40 million. <laughs> yeah, those And you three say things. no, and then I go, 20? 10? So, Jake, did you get laid last night? He's not going to ask you that. Oh, believe me. Sorry, ask everybody Bob. that.
1: Sorry, Bob. He's not going to ask you that. Well, as I say. I think you overestimate that. I don't think he's going to ask you that.
0: Well, let's see if he actually uh, asks me.
1: I, I, I think he's read enough of your stuff. The other side of it is, is maybe you're a wrap-up show guest. Maybe, no disrespect to what you do because you reach so many people, but you look at what he's doing now, and, like, everybody's famous. There's no, like, outliers anymore. There's no, like, it used to be, like, you'd hear about someone new that you hadn't heard of and strippers and hookers and, like, porn stars. There's none of that anymore. It's all A-listers, all hawking their wares.
0: How do you feel about that? Like, he had uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda on. You think that's good or you think that's bad?
1: Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are pretty special people, and I think that's good. I think that's good when he can go deep like that. I'm a little disappointed with some of the, like, the Daily Show for me today. You know, I watch it um, as an example. It's just like everybody who's on mostly is just hawking their
0: wares. You and wait, I, wait, Just to be clear, you're talking about the Daily Show on Comedy Central? Or you're yeah, talking about you know, Well, that's one of the things that bothers me is getting older. I know you're approaching a big birthday, and when I came to that same big birthday, you realize it's just horse shit. I mean, the New York Times, best newspaper in the world, right-wingers, you can argue with me, but that's a different podcast. You open the arts and leisure section on Sunday, it's just all hype. Yeah. I mean, if the movie's any good, I'll find out, and I'll watch it, or I won't. Yeah. But I don't need to hear about, oh, yeah, you know, it's the best movie I ever had, let me tell you what I ate on set. You're just trying to, you know, excite well, me.
1: Yeah, and then that's the thing about, about. I don't mind that at least Stern does in-depth interviews, but now you're watching The Daily Show, when, when Jon Stewart was on... It was always more interesting to me when he had an author or someone that was doing something different that I didn't hear, didn't know. As opposed to the next actor or comedian, well, it's just funny you mentioned that
0: because, as you know, Johnny Carson had originally was ninety minutes. Right, he would always have an author, have people who weren't famous, and then David Letterman totally reconstructed the paradigm into a comedy show where you literally had to come on and tell jokes or funny right. story. Right, and now it's funny he's on Netflix doing Johnny's old show, going in depth with you know first Obama and there's another episode. With as we take This right. Yeah. So it's funny that he is now reinventing the paradigm. It's how come in music we haven't heard a new sound in fifteen years?
1: Well it's funny, you know, we were discussing that actually Will Botwin and I were talking about that Will Botwin is a big manager at Red Light Management. Right. He runs Red Light. We were talking about that two nights ago, him and I.
0: What'd you uncover?
1: Well, the problem is is the uh, I think it has to do a lot with the access. Is that there's so much stuff out there. And it's so easy to get it out there, like to put it up there. Right, barrier to entry is non-existent. There's no, there's no, bar- but but the barrier to be found out is
0: huge. Absolutely. Huge.
1: And he was talking to me about being at a presentation of all this new music that was coming out and everything else. And he said, it all sounded the same. And it sounds like an old guy's thing to say, but it didn't. Because he said, even the rock stuff is now starting to be produced like the pop stuff, just so it can get on the radio, just so it can fit into playlists. You look at Spotify and now, you know, Apple Music's now about to pass Spotify in America for paid subscribers. Right which I think is an interesting concept in itself. But when you look at those things and you see that in order to get any traction you got to get on these playlists, and even those aren't going to give you fans, guaranteed. It's just going to get you more exposure. I manage an act called Common Deer. See my plug? I get my plug in. I knew you would. Well, it's what I do. He's Um, a manager. Yeah, and uh, that's D-E-E-R. It's two words. Yeah, Common Deer. They're from Canada. We're talking about the animal deer. Right. As opposed to the guy on the ship. And they'll be at South by Southwest. But, you know, they do, I wouldn't call, super commercial. It's commercial, but I wouldn't call it super commercial music. We're getting played on playlists and things like that, but I wouldn't say we're blowing up around the world with the kind of numbers we're getting, and it and it's hard for us to get on the radio. Like, we, we'd have to be in a million plays. Like, you know, what, uh, what our plays are combined so far in a year is what Drake does in a
0: minute. Right. Well, the interesting thing, there's this album for the soundtrack for the movie The Greatest Showman, and there's a track on there that is a hit. It was remade by Kesha. I'm talking about a hit if you hear it. Right. And it's still not being played by Top 40 Radio because it's not a hip-hop track. Right. So there's a real transition going on. For those people who are students of the game and may not be that inside, the music business goes where it gets the most exposure. And radio is where you reach the most eyeballs, but, or ears in this case, but it is diminishing. And it will be slowly eclipsed by streaming. So it's funny that you know you have these. You know, in terms of radio, it's really just urban hip hop now on top forty, certainly in America.
1: Yeah, and dance. There's there's some dance. Yeah, music. but dance is less than it was a few years ago. The dance has also evolved. There's like it's it's hybrid now. It's like dance hip hop. Like there's they're mixing it all together. There was an interesting panel at Polestar, which I was just at, and they that, had, that's a uh,
0: a conference for the touring industry. Yeah, for the touring
1: industry, but. There was a panel, and they had a Pandora guy, and Mark Cuban was on it. Right. Our, our good friend Mark Geiger was moderating it. He's
0: head of music at WME, yeah, big agency. Now we're
1: dropping names, but there was a woman from iHeartRadio there, and uh, you know the the numbers still show that more people are still learning about music from from radio. That's at least what what she says, but they're going to get into the streaming business. I mean, they're already in it. They have an app. You can listen to their stations. Whether it'll
0: succeed is another issue. Right.
1: But everybody wants to be in every place. You know, everybody wants to be everywhere. They had Scott Greenstein from Sirius XM. Right. Right. And you know, they have an app too. So you're kind of streaming that. But what was interesting is they were talking about the connectivity, you know, because really what drives music on radio is the car. Right. You know, it's the car. When you're at home, you have your Spotify, you have your other options. But when you're in the car, most people, cars are equipped with FM, AM, and you, you click it, and that's it. Especially in cities like Los Angeles, where a lot of people are spending
0: a lot of time in cars. You've given up your car, right? Yes, I gave up my car. you had an accident a few months back. You October live in, 1st. And you live in Toronto.
1: And I live downtown.
0: And now that you're Ubering, lifting, whatever, what's your experience? Great. No downside.
1: I rent a car on weekends because uh, my mom's been ill and I, she lives in the north end of the city, so I try and go up every Sunday to see her. And I also play tennis on a team that travels on Saturdays, so I usually rent a car Saturday afternoon and give it back Sunday afternoon.
0: And you rent it from a traditional agency, or is there an hour by hour? No,
1: no, I, I go to, like, a budget. I have a deal with budget, and, you know, now... So
0: did you handle a deal because your manager? Say, hey, I'm coming every weekend, give me a special rate? Well, that's what we do. <laughs> So Did what's... I, the, for the people who don't no, understand... But, but I, I want to go back to the... No, but we're going to get things. there. Believe me, we're not okay. going to forget the threat. Okay. Okay. But, uh, digression is the spice of life. Okay. Okay. You know that you're going to rent a car a certain amount. Mm. How do you go in and negotiate?
1: I look at all the rates that are out there. Right. And it's, it's not so much negotiation because I'm going to argue with the guy. who's renting me the car for 45 bucks for the day. Am I going to... What am I going to get? Five bucks off? So instead, I'd rather say, you know, it's a snowy day... You know, give me the four by four today. You know, it's like so. I'm getting like, oh, you know what? I got to move some stuff. Can you give me this van today? And they just say, yeah, sure. Here, we got one. But
0: you do rent a car every weekend.
1: It's been like that for the last little while, only because because I I've had to go up and 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 not had to. I want to, but you know, my brother and I go up. So, well, you
0: know, your brother doesn't have a car either.
1: No, he's he's hasn't had a car for a long time.
0: But oh, it's interesting. Uh, in Colorado, I was with a promoter, and he wanted to store his stuff. Very close to the lift, so he goes up to the guy. normally, you have to pay a stiff fee, he says, "You like concerts anywhere you want to go in town, I can take care of you. used to be the currency was the actual physical product, the vinyl, the cassettes now it 's like everybody 's always trading something in life
1: well it 's the live experience right <laughs> you know um, i don 't have that kind of uh, i don 't have that kind of currency, but I do have um repeat businesses currency. I actually, I had to move some of my mother's stuff because she moved out of a home into uh, and she was in the hospital. We had to find a new home for her. And, and it was like, we got to move her stuff out of the home. And I went to the budget to rent a van and a friend of mine was going to take the bed. And so I bought this mattress pad and I bought some markers from budget that they have there. We ended up not taking the bed and we ended up not taking And, and when we opened the markers, one didn't work. So I went to bring the car back the next day. I, I had the receipt and I said, look, I didn't use the mattress pad. The, the, the markers look, it doesn't, it's, broken. doesn't work. I I want my nine bucks back. And the guy said, uh, said, oh, we don't do refunds on that. I said, okay, good. Well, there's an enterprise a block away. I'm here every week. You either want my business or you don't. Well, we can't do a refund. I said, then give me a $9 credit on the rental. Like he couldn't think of that. And he went, oh, okay, I'll do that. I said, okay, good. Here's your Pat mattress. That's how you
0: handle. That's how you become one of the big boys. But yeah. going back to your point yeah, of Yeah, nine, up-
1: nine bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Going back to your point about uh, the new
1: music. Well, it's just it's interesting. That I'm just talking about this, the car connectivity. Right. So they're all talking about, you know, when it finally gets connected and gets connected. Well, you know, when I come here, I rent a car. Most of the cars today, if you have an iPhone or an Android, they come with Apple CarPlay or whatever the equivalent is for Android. You plug your phone in, you're connected. Right. Now, I rent a a car from a, a company that has the cars equipped with Wi-Fi in the car. Well, I don't need the radio anymore. Do you listen to the radio? And they actually have Sirius XM in the car. But here's an interesting thing. I will now say the company's name since this will go out because I text them about this. They're called Silver Car. I heard about them on Howard Stern. And that's where they first started to promote their service. And I remember telling you about it. And they had a, a code, a Howard One Hundred promo code. I came here and I thought I'll try them out. They're in L.A. I'll try them out. They're only in the U.S. And they rent out EA4. So I use the promo code. I get the car. Great service, but I love the cars. And it's got Wi-Fi. When I was renting cars then, when you're roaming internationally, because you know, Canada actually is a different country.
0: Now more than ever.
1: You pay more for roaming when you're roaming internationally. So if you had Wi-Fi in the car, especially all the time I spent in the car in Los Angeles, you'd actually save, you know, you'd save on using your data. So I thought this was a great thing. It had nav, it had Wi-Fi, and it had Sirius XM with Howard Stern. So fast forward to now. I'm in the car. I'm like, oh, I haven't had a car since October I haven't really listened to Stern oh I'm going to be able to listen to Stern while I'm in LA. I go to the hit 100 press the button on the radio. It's a premium. it's not included in the car anymore So you
0: texted them and what they say
1: I texted them and I said, why isn't Howard Stern included in the car anymore And the guy said ever since our sponsorship ended with Sirius XM, we just have this the basic Sirius XM and I wrote them back I said well that's funny because I discovered your company, from Howard Stern using the Howard 100 promo Cho- code. Guess what? Crickets. Right. No response to that.
0: Shows the power of Howard. Okay, so what have we established? I firmly believe... No, but, no, but back to the streaming right. thing.
1: So the connectivity. My point is, I now have the option to listen in this car specifically that has Wi-Fi. If I'm worried about data, I can stream my Spotify if, even if it's unsaved, I can literally stream my Spotify. It's an icon that comes up on the screen when you have Apple CarPlay. Um, Deezer comes up on the screen. Apple Music comes up on the screen. So I can stream all of those via my phone in the car. And all the, the, uh, icons. Uh, the icons are all there. I right. just dial them and press it. And Siri connects to it. So I can ask the question. Through
0: Siri. Okay, so is your opinion, how is this going to uh, impact radio?
1: Well, I just think it's it's going to impact it. Like, they're all talking about when full connectivity comes. Well, it's here. I was surprised that no one brought it up on the panel. Like, nobody brought it up. Well,
0: all the people you're talking about are going to get screwed by full connectivity. Well, no, it it could help Sirius. I mean,
1: people are listening to Sirius. I guess their, their, their main business is still the car.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, I I don't know. Do you listen only in the car or do you actually have the thing that sits at home? I
0: listen uh, pretty much everywhere depending on my needs. If I'm in the car and there's something I'm very interested in, I'll go home and listen to it. Certainly with Howard, I use the app for certain interviews that I want to hear. While I go hiking in the mountains, I'll listen to those.
1: Right. See, you, primarily in the do car. Do you pay for
0: series? I, you know, as a friend of the company, I do not.
1: Right. So I pay. Or I paid, and it used to be you could go online for free, so I could have it on in my office. But uh, well now it's then like they upsell it. That's an extra money, and I, I, but, but it but wasn't the he, it wasn't but the but amount of money. It pissed me off because they raised the price. It was almost oh, it was over two hundred something dollars a year in Canada, right, Canadian dollars. And then there was like now you're gouging me for just even though it was it was it wasn't it was ten bucks in Canada for the online, and I just went I'm done. Like, okay,
0: but without making it about serious going back to the music and how we why do you believe we haven't gotten a new sound? I think there's tons of new sounds out
1: there. I don't think they've been discovered yet. And that's the problem. Well, I mean, if that I look how the, do we find them? How do we find them? Uh, listen, that's what know, Will and I were of, saying. That's what Will and I how are we gonna find these? Well, ads? There,
0: there's a couple of subjects going on here. First and foremost, I believe we live in a hip hop dominated nation to the degree we do, because they embrace new technologies. Right. They embrace giving it away for free, they embrace SoundCloud, they embrace Spotify. The other genres have resisted streaming. The rock people, they all the acts are saying streaming sucks, it doesn't pay, all the old acts, etc., such that their fans don't get on streaming. You know, we were talking the other week with Jason Flom about his act, Greta Van Fleet. It yes. went to number one the active rock format. When it went to number one for a couple of weeks, still had under a million streams on Spotify. It's got more now, because that audience is not on there. Right. So I believe when all the genres ultimately move to streaming, there'll be a more of an equalization of different types of formats that we have now as opposed to if you go to the spotify top 50 it's almost all hip-hop so it's therefore it's all oh, everything else is marginalized and it's hard to even become aware of it
1: well i mean look countries was, was last
0: no but country is ahead of rock on streaming right i don't know why but they're embracing it more than rock
1: well i think i think part of it is that i think a lot of people didn't realize there were a lot of country fans outside of the south
0: Listen, like, no, as like, Tom like, Petty said, country is the rock music of the 70s. I mean, if you're someone who loved rock, you hated country especially music. Especially that kind of rock. Right, and you hated country music. Believe me, Nashville is your sound at this point. Oh, yeah. N- these are not twangy people. No,
1: no, 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 no. And Nashville isn't just country anymore.
0: That's for sure. It's right. Land of land of musicians.
1: Like Chris Stapleton. I watched him on Saturday Night Live. Right. And I was like, this is as heavy as anything I've ever seen.
0: Funny thing about Chris Stapleton, a couple of years ago. That was like heavy. Oh, right. A couple of years ago, he won Album of the Year, whatever they're calling it, the uh, CMA Awards. Right. And if you look at the statistics, he is the biggest act in country music in terms of consumption, in terms of sales and streams. Right. Not on radio, but that's a fascinating thing because he's the most credible act in country. So they all agree this is what they want. By the same token, they're putting up problem.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because even in the non-country fans love Chris Stapleton. Because like I see it on Twitter, like after the Saturday Night Live performance, all these people who I know that were traditional—you would see them more as rock people or or not, not pop, not pop people, right? Right? Even as far as uh, like alternative music people, all flipped out over Chris Stapleton on Saturday Night Live.
0: Listen, you got to flip, you know, when he leans back and he bellows and he picks these, it reminds you of what it, once, of what it once was. Yeah, yeah, And it gives you hope. Yeah, it, it was. It, and it was
1: cooler than Leonard Skinner. It was like, it was cooler than Fog. It was cooler than those kinds it of bands. It was band. cooler,
0: but by the same token, the progenitor there is the Almond Brothers,
1: and they were always cool. Right, they were always cool. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely more Almond Brothers than anything else. But it's interesting. You know, I was with Wayne Wayne Forte, who's a big agent, right? You, know, you used to represent restaurant. David Bowie, a lot amongst, of other big Amongst asks. others, right? David About, Bowie. Now as Tedeschi Trucks. Tedeschi and Trucks. That thing is just blowing up everywhere.
0: But it's interesting because Metallica, which sold out stadiums in america right and is doing arenas right now in uh, europe and is going back to stadiums i was discussing with some people involved they say no one knows used to be decades past if you were selling out stadiums everybody in the marketplace knew in addition the double album was successful now you can be very successful but no one outside of your genre or your fans will even okay, know. okay
1: so then the real question is does it matter
0: why? It only matters to all... O- okay. Who does it matter to? No, no, no. no. Let, me, let me be very specific. There's this band called Dawes. I really... There's a hit off the first album, the second album I really love, with Million Dollar Bill, et cetera. I became friendly with the guys. They're in their mid-20s, mm-hmm. okay? And older people, whether it be Gen X or Baby Boomers, have the belief that millennials can multitask, can cope with all the information. I was talking to the drummer. They can't either! Everybody is overwhelmed with information. Yes. So how we make sense of it is a very interesting question. I believe like the internet at large, we will go to winners and losers. Like if you talk about Sirius, there's a Sirius station called XMU, which is like their college station. Right. And when I listen to that, I'll hear good stuff. And I say, whoa. Then I say to myself, am I the only person in America listening to this? Because it doesn't translate you know, to everywhere. Yeah, except except when I was
1: growing up, it was a badge of honor to be the only person listening but to it. But there was
0: a circle. It'd be like in your own village. Right. Like I watch this TV show, Broadchurch, which is great. Everybody knows everybody. Okay. Right. So when everybody knows everybody, how you look, how you hold yourself, this is one of my big things, okay? In the 70s and 80s, to hate the mainstream, to be into your independent, alternative bands, and we're all black, was part of the ethos. Today, there's so much information. Don't waste your time. You don't like it? Forget it. Everybody's into their own thing. If you're reacting, you're forgotten.
1: Yeah, but you know, you think about it. Like, you say I'm a prog guy. I love the prog right. music. Back then, it was outsider music. Like, Absolutely. It, it was outsider music, and we were stoners. And but, that's- but, but, but the
0: only thing is, if you look back, it was only outsider music for, like, two years Mm, I don't know about that. Yes came out in 1970, the first album in America, right, right. very end of 69, and Roundabout was a hit two years later. Now, all the other bands, Genesis, Gentle Giant, whatever, the interesting thing is as you get on, now two years, we haven't had a new sound in 15 years.
1: Well, if you think about the prog from that era, first of all, in Canada, they were way bigger than they were in America earlier. Why do you think that is? We always embraced English bands. I guess it was a Commonwealth thing or whatever, but we always embraced, like, even the alternative bands that were big on K-Rock, they were already big in Canada by the time they got here. Genesis was playing stadiums in Toronto and playing the Greek theater here.
0: Which is the best of the prog bands?
1: For me? Yes. When Peter Gabriel was in Genesis. Okay. By a mile. And we've noticed none of those albums are on streaming services. Well, no, they are but The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway isn't. Right. And I had asked about that because one day I went, how come I can't listen to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway? And I asked the head of Warner, and he got back to me, and he said that they don't want people to sample that record. I don't mean sample for use in other places. They don't want people to hear that record in pieces.
0: But the only thing about it is if you've caught the announcement, Best Buy is going to stop selling CDs. So where the hell are they going to hear the album?
1: Exactly. Where are you gonna get it? On Amazon? You're gonna buy it. Well, let's go back.
0: Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yes. Did you see the Steven Tyler ad? Yes. What are your thoughts?
1: Was he saying Dream on? Because he wishes he was the younger stealing. Tyler Let's not go or not. that
0: deep. For those people, <laughs> those people didn't know, he's on a racetrack. He's in. He's some, going backwards, wait, wait. and he would
1: become who he used to be.
0: Right. That's like that old joke about country music. What happens when you play country music backwards? Right. Your dog comes back. Your wife it's comes bad, back. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, gonna yeah, Pick
1: up the. So you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I really didn't understand. But it. Whether I mean,
0: you it would, understand it or not. Back in the heyday of classic rock, it was anathema to do a commercial endorsement. Now forgetting that Steven Tyler already was on American Idol, which was a huge step. At this late date, at age seventy, is it a mistake to do that commercial?
1: I think it doesn't fucking matter anymore.
0: But exactly when you're gonna,
1: Steven Tyler, it doesn't matter. It does Does it matter for matter.
0: anybody? Does it matter for Neil
1: Young? If Neil Young thinks it matters.
0: Different question, okay? What well, we've lived long enough to see a great percentage of our music be forgotten.
1: Okay, let's step back. Just one sec. Does it matter to me as a person? Yeah. Does it matter to Steven? That's his business. No, no. Let's let's use okay. the definition. Okay.
0: Ozzy Osbourne was a cult thing. Right. Okay? He was on Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath was the hip-hop of its day. There are people who would never listen to that. Right. Then he hooks up with Randy Rhodes, He becomes an FM rock staple, mm-hmm. okay? And then he puts out an album, No More Tears, very successful. But it, it's a narrow niche relative to the world at large in an era prior to the 21st century. Right. He has his show, The Osbornes, on MTV. He and his family literally become household names, cultural icons. His live business went down. attendance went down.
1: Right. Ozfest, too?
0: Everything. Everything went down. So the question is, if you are one of these acts, especially somebody like Ozzy who stood for a certain ethos, do you have to worry about this relationship with your fans?
1: Oh, I think you always have to. I think, and funny, I was telling this story the other day about the hip, and I was talking about how, you know, I had that band online doing stuff with the internet before anybody was. Like, nobody was. They wrote about it in Time Magazine. Right. Wrote about it in Newsweek. Newsweek because we were the first to sell our records directly to our fans. They were CDs, we were shipping them, but no one else was doing that. And the fact, the title of the uh, the article was, you know, the Tragically Have Turned Their Back on the Industry. You know, I had the band online in 1994 before anybody. The record companies didn't have websites. They didn't even understand it. They were letting me build databases with their money, because they didn't understand what, What it was to have a database and a mailing list and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the model for me was the Grateful Dead. It was just a different way to access the same thing, right? But I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, yeah, I know you used to give a shit all the time because you insisted. It was a promoter. And they said, because you insisted that the fans had to have the information before anybody else. And I said, yeah, because that was our strategy. Our strategy was always fan-first strategy. And that's always been my strategy, fan-first, fan-first, fan-first. And when you have a fan-first strategy, you have to think about what they are going to think. And you have to think about what do you stand for, what do you represent. And every time you make a decision, the decision in my mind was always, what's that decision going to mean in five years? What's that decision going to mean in 10 years? And if that decision doesn't fall into your ethos in five years and in 10 years, then you shouldn't do it, regardless oh, of the
0: money. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of subjects here, but the reason I was bringing up Steven Tyler, first thing I had to do was look up the car. And if you look up the car, the Kia Stinger is actually competes with 60000 $70,000 Mercedes-Benz, BMWs. They say it's a great car. Right. So in this case, and rock stars historically were attached to cars, they say it's a great car. Right. But my question is, at age 70... Does it turn and are you better off A, taking the money and B, getting your music exposed because it might be forgotten? doing commercial endorsements.
1: Well, the thing is, it's and he's not getting new music exposed.
0: But no one can get new music exposed. Let's, let's separate out the issues. It's not like he's using it to launch a single. No.
1: It was dream on.
0: But the point is, the old cliche used to be, oh, Paul McCartney's in Wings. You know, they don't know that he was in the Beatles, if you go back decades ago. Right, right, ago. right, right. They're making new people every day. Right. So... Are you better off using the tools that are at your fingertips, which are associated with corporations and other enterprises, to get your name out there? Or should you play to the hardcore fan?
1: In my mind, if you have a fan, if you have that kind of base, I think you should always play to the fan.
0: So if you're 70 years old and you have fans, and chances are most of your fans are 50 or 60 years old, okay, does it hurt you? If you do the commercial endorsement.
1: I don't, I don't think when you're 70 and your fans are that old, it hurts you. I don't think they care. Okay, I think, I think they're past caring about that stuff. They just want to go to the show. And they just want to get a decent
0: ticket. <laughs> right. I mean, that, okay. that, that, that's... So let's go to the next point, which is the tickets. I knew we were going there, which is why I said it. So, you're a band. Should you charge what the ticket is worth, or should you charge a price that is fan-friendly?
1: I think you got to find the happy medium. Which is what? It's tough, man, because you like to price your tickets to be affordable. It's an interesting thing. And I had this argument with uh, with at, at Aspen this year, which you were sorely missed. But um, they were talking about how that's you know, a
0: conference, is a touring conference in Aspen at the beginning of December. Every Aspen year.
1: Live, when that's where you and I met right. in nineteen ninety six. That's how long ago it was, right? <laughs> Twenty two years ago, bonding over Genesis. So exactly so, over dinner, yeah, over dinner. So when you think about it, there's some laws now where Jared from Ticketmaster was there, and he he said in some markets. You have to put the total price when you post the ticket on the seat. including fees. Yeah, they, they can't be add-ons. That right. it's driving people crazy. They see you know uh, you know ninety nine dollars, and by the time they check out, it's one fifty. Right, right. You can't do that anymore. But what he didn't understand is is the ax don't want to be seen as charging 150. Of course. Right? They want to be able to say to the fan, the only thing we're getting is the 99, and we're not even getting all of that. All that other stuff needs to be itemized so you know that there's this tax, there's this ticket fee, there's this fee. Remember, at first, they used to have a printing fee, which always f- completely fucking freaked me out. You're it was like, wait it a old- second, why am I being charged to print my own ticket? Like, wait. I have to buy the printer and the paper and the ink and everything else, and they're charging me for that. That they got rid of. That's gone. So the act never wanted to have an all-in price because they want to make sure people know what they're charging. And I remember I used to have to deal with that, with the Just promoters. Just stop
0: for a second, for those who are unsure or unknowledgeable of the history of touring, in 1996 there was a roll-up. The company is presently called Live Nation. There used to be a lot of independent promoters. Because of competition in the business, assuming you are a successful household name act, almost all of the money goes to the act and the only profit to the promoter is in those extras. So it's a little bit of a subterfuge. Ticketmaster you've talked to, they're taking the heat for the act. The the act is saying, hey, it's only ninety nine dollars. But if it really were only ninety nine dollars, the show couldn't even happen.
1: Right. Well, there's that side of it, but that that's assuming it's a big, big act and, 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 and the big promoters are doing the whole tour. But when you're going into one market, like, you know, for instance, if I have a a young band, like the bands I work with right now, and I go into a market and play a 400 C club and I want to charge $15 for the ticket. And I want to, I can't put the tickets and price them accordingly on Ticketmaster because the fans will go, I'll just wait to buy it the day of. So it's harder to sell out when, by the time you add your fees and the fees are 50% of the ticket price.
0: You know, that's an issue of leverage. Just you're saying. Are you saying if you go to the door, you don't have to pay the fees? Is that your point? No, because you can't, you know, I haven't priced it.
1: Totally, but I've seen it like so a lot of us are using these sort of secondary ticketing was charged two fifty a ticket. Right. On a fifteen dollar ticket. So you you price your tickets as fifty in advance, seventeen fifty at the door. So you're not being penalized for buying in advance. So when they check out, they see it's a seventeen fifty ticket, which is the same as the door price. But the incentive to get it early is for the fact that there may not be any left. Right
0: yeah, but, but the other thing about it but is But there
1: was a while there where the ticketing fees were so high. You know, I have that with, with merch. The cost to ship vinyl from our website is so expensive that a lot of people just rather go to the show and buy it from us at the show because we can't, because the cost. Okay. Just to to go to
0: one say, of course, if you travel with your own merch, there's an issue of having enough product, paying shipping, whatever. How about those economics?
1: You know, at our level, when it's a baby band, you know, you put everything in a box and, uh, and Shlep it. Y- you schlep it. You put it in the van, it's just another Well, piece the other of thing gear, about it, going you know? back, it's
0: always an issue of leverage. Certainly club business is historically bad business, so they screw the developing act. But as you gain notoriety and fandom, the leverage switches <laughs> hey, over to the act itself. I-, I wouldn't call it screwing because the
1: problem is, is it's the same service. It's like I always used to say, you know, it costs the same amount of money to buy an ad in the newspaper if it's the same size ad that says the Whiskey-A-Go-Go and the L.A. Coliseum. The ad right. costs the exact same. Right. So the margins are just way better wait, 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 when wait, you're playing wait, wait, the wait, wait. L.A. Coliseum. I, I, okay. I use So, it, so I use I'm saying, so the service that Ticketmaster's providing is the same service.
0: I understand completely, but I have a better one than that. You have a recording deal, right? Okay, and they recoup recording costs. Recording costs or recording costs are recording costs. Right. If it char- costs the superstar band two hundred and fifty grand, or costs you two hundred and fifty grand, it's the same two hundred and fifty grand. Right. But you recoup it at your royalty rate. Such that the superstar band will be in profits much earlier than the developing act.
1: On the hope that they actually sell.
0: Well, let's just assume assume they are. Let's assume they are. Right. I've always thought, you know, cost should be recouped at a standard rate. It's the same thing.
1: But on the other side of it, having had a very successful act that sold a lot of records, you keep reinvesting so you want to make more videos. So we used to make four videos off every album. Nowadays, you know, you're lucky if you get one or two. If you're if you're brand new, Ben, you're lucky if you get one.
0: By the same token, you can buy a Hero Five camera. You can shoot high def on your iPhone. Well, all you of can that, do amazing. Things. But you couldn't do that before. I mean, this is another thing that people complain about. They complain, oh, you know, they took all the money out of the music business. Well, first and foremost, most of you wouldn't have been in the music business because you couldn't afford to record on your laptop, which you can now do on your laptop. You can spam everybody on social media so you can get the word out. So people want it on both sides.
1: I don't want to sound like an old guy, but I'm going to sound like an old guy for a second here. I've been saying this for a long time, is the barrier of entry, and back to what we talked about at the beginning, when record companies would go see bands, they would make sure, like Jason and his podcast right. was talking about seeing bands that didn't have record deals right. that were playing to 2,000 people. Right. So there was a barrier of entry that you actually have done something. You had to have done something on your own, build a following, and then the record company would invest a significant amount of money in you. I'm not sure that that is radically different. I mean, the point is, I, the, what's not, different now is they want to see you having nowadays. They'll make a single with you, and then and the, and I, there'll I be an would, option for two more. I would explain this
0: totally differently. I remember there was an act. I had a friend who I used to work in the movie business with, and he said, "Oh, he has these friends. They were in certain bands, whatever. They're looking for a manager. A and M wants to sign them. You know, you live in Los Angeles long enough, and you're very jaded." So I went to these guys' apartment and they played me a song. They played me three songs. Right. First song was called Welcome to the Boomtown. This is an act called David and David. I remember. Had, had never played live. An A&R guy at A&M liked it. They signed it. They made the record. And it went gold. Right. That's what doesn't exist anymore. No one is trolling for acts that have not built it themselves. Today, they want you to build it themselves before they double down.
1: Right. Or they'll give you a singles deal or a three-song deal. I, they won't
0: give anybody a deal who has doesn't come with their own audience.
1: Right. But I've seen it with young pop stars. They'll develop them. They'll find writers. Yeah, no, they no, do no, no, that. no.
0: But there's always something starting it. Yeah, it, 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 I, I've seen, I've seen it. In, I mean, in Justin, Justin Bieber had YouTube views. Katy Perry already had a deal with uh, Sony Music. No one was built from ground zero. But that they're I building could the
1: following of. differently, but the difference is, is now they can go in and make those records a lot cheaper. However, so, so, the irony, and, is and being, a lot of them are picking up existing records.
0: Yeah, but it costs so much to rise above the clutter, and there's so few shots. That's what people don't understand. They say, "Okay, why doesn't the major label sign me?" This is a math situation. They only get certain opportunities that are such an investment they want guaranteed success now this killed pop if you've been following pop for the last 12 months right. Katy perry stiffed kelly clarkson stiffed gaga stiffed gaga's a little bit different but she did stiff taylor swift stiff everybody who tried to massage with the usual suspects trying to make a sound oh, by the way i'll take
1: any four of those stiffs you're talking relative terms stiffs
0: uh, let's be very very clear let's break it down Okay.
1: You're it is relative stuff. Okay, no, but the, relative to their previous no, 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 success. No.
0: None of them had significant radio success. Right. But they're all doing continued live business that we right. would all like to commission. Right. If you go back to the old days when it was reversed when the money was in the record, you'd be freaking out.
1: Well, here's the thing is I argue that point because I don't think the money was ever in the record. Unless you sold millions and millions and millions That's of records. That's why so
0: many of the classic rock acts are mortgage brokers or attorneys, et cetera. We, and they can't live off that we
1: money. Used to, we used to recoup against our records. Did we get rich off our records? No, but 85% of our money was always from touring and merch. Who made most of the money then was the record companies. That's what's come out of the business. That's what Will and I were talking about. What we don't get anymore, and this is the most important part, is we can get... The we can make a record inexpensively. We can go on the road and play, but we don't get is we don't get the marketing dollars they used to put behind records that will enable us to reach more people just with the marketing dollars.
0: Let's assume we gave you those marketing dollars today. Where would you want to spend them?
1: I would be spending them on YouTube. I'd be spending them on on um. I'd be spending them on building a mailing list, and I'd be spending them on on Facebook. All ads like I would be buying and targeting. You would buy ads on YouTube. I'd be targeting and 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 it wouldn't necessarily be I would be targeting YouTube back to watching our videos. I'd be I would put a lot of money into making sure that we were creating a lot of different kinds of content that wasn't just music that could reach people. And I would build a mailing list, but but those kind of marketing dollars don't like you can't even get posters. What because are you going to do with posters? Because people still look at posters. For, I'm talking about for your shows. This is what I'm talking about. You know, when you would go on tour and you were a band, the record company would put up posters. Like, you'd get posters up in the market that would have your your date in the market with the mini of the record. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah,
0: but was it just a stroke? For those who didn't live in Los Angeles in the 70s, Sunset Boulevard from uh, La Cienega to Beverly Hills was plastered with billboards for records. Everyone agrees, didn't sell any records. It was just an ego thing. When you're touring and you're going into markets, no, people no, still look was, at posters. No, that was then... Right. Does that
1: matter today? Oh, you still need you still need boots on the ground because especially when you're turning up because you, you're again you're not getting through the clutter
0: with with um, but is the Spotify clutter but do you get through via virtual or physical? Are you better off spending those dollars or that effort online as opposed to I'm, going out and putting I'm, in the posters? I think
1: you got to do both. I, I think you know there's that theory that someone's got to hear it three times, right, from three different mediums. I think it's true. That has to happen. I think you have to be able to, you know, if you're playing a, cl- a bunch of clubs, those clubs have to have posters up in the clubs because you want to reach other people going to the club that see well, who's coming to play. Well, certainly want to
0: advertise whether they're in the club. Right. But in terms of sniping. But you they, used to be able to get money But, no, from but, the but, record but even company. if you were able to get money, mm-hmm. I don't think that money is efficiently spent. There are a lot of things. Someone will email me about a record, mm-hmm. okay? Can I send you the CD? I said, No. Can I, you know, if you send me a CD, it makes you feel good. But like both of my main computers now, they don't have a CD drive. Oh, I don't own a CD. You know, as I say, but they want to send you something physical because it makes them feel good, but it's inefficient in terms of marketing. But that has nothing to do with still grassroots
1: stuff at clubs. I
0: think, I think at this point in time, okay, it's like the movie business. Okay. Oscar season is upon us. Okay. I've seen essentially none of the movies. Not because I'm anti movie, but I'm not getting you know, we live in an on demand culture. I don't want to plan my whole day to go to a movie. I don't know what a mood I'm gonna be, whatever. The distribution is killing it. It's about being in the home where people have 55, fifty five, sixty. Well, maybe you
1: should take your girl out to a movie one night.
0: I would rather spend my money elsewhere. At least if I make a reservation at a restaurant, it'll be here at the same time. I enjoy the movie. I enjoy the popcorn in the my, movie. My, my, I enjoy my, I
1: actually enjoy the experience. And point, I think people do.
0: My point is different. My point is a lot of what we used to do no longer applies. It's no longer effective. An example is name one act who was on late night TV this week.
1: Oh, I didn't even watch late night That's TV. That's
0: my I mean, point. Yeah. People are still fighting to be on these varying shows. If you get a video out that you can put on YouTube, whatever more power to you. No, nothing moves the dial. No, it doesn't move the needle. No, no it so doesn't. So if, if you're looking for marketing dollars, and believe me, they're looking for them, let me fly the band, let me get here and make up good in New York or to be on the show, I'd say save the money. The money is much better spent elsewhere.
1: Well, and it also depends on your audience. You know, Facebook just came out with their numbers and time spent on the, on the platform is right. down, but money's up for right. them, right? Well, because to reach anybody, you got to pay now. Right. But what they didn't give us was demos, and it's aging.
0: Absolutely, but let's mm. not forget that Facebook owns Instagram.
1: Right. Which is the big kahuna. Right. Becoming, yeah. But interestingly enough, like I work with the Children's Act, Called splash and boots. There's yeah. your another plug. My other plug. You only get one left. Yeah. That's that as far as that goes. Um I'm
0: not sure their audience is listening, but it's okay.
1: No, no, but you'd be surprised because I know one thing for sure. Grandparents spend more on grandchildren than parents do.
0: Is that a statistic? Are you whipping oh, around? No, out of your that
1: house? is a statistic. And we see it at the shows. It's the touring children's group. So the
0: key is to reach the grandparents.
1: Right. And Facebook. But the point you were Facebook making... is a place to meet reach them. This is what I'm trying to say. And so some of your audience may be grandparents. I'm sure they are. So then don't discount the fact that I'm not talking to your audience because the the group's audience is one and a half to six.
0: Okay, but you were making a bigger point.
1: My point is, is Facebook's not releasing their demos because they don't want anyone to know the audience is aging. Like I'm trying to get the demos. When those figures came out, I went to all my friends who are in media and everything else. I said, where are the demos? Can you get me demos? And none of my friends could get me demos. They could not get the demos from that new stats that they just put out with their new new records. I don't trust
0: anything they say anyway because they're – for those not following, they've been criticized for missing the fact that their platform was invaded by foreign interests, i.e. Russia, and theoretically, I believe, affected the U.S. election in 2016. They finally admitted it after about nine months, and now they say they're focusing on the individual to the detriment of news – they only pray to one thing, which is the almighty dollar, i.e., stock. Oh yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going to change whatever it is to make it work for them. So whatever they whip sauce, I just don't believe it. Well, YouTube, their algorithm was serving up
1: erroneous stories about Hillary Clinton in the markets, those three markets where she lost, where she the lost by the three right. states where she lost by eighty thousand votes, and she never went to those states, so right. she never actually got a chance. To refute what was being served up to these people.
0: Hi everyone, this is Bob Leftsets. If you stumbled upon this podcast on iTunes or TuneIn, you may be wondering, who is this guy? Well my story, the story of my blog, The Leftsets Letter, was told in episode one. Please check it out. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast today, and you'll hear my interviews with songwriters, performers, music industry, and tech executives first. Also, I'm open to feedback. What do you like? What do you hate? Email me at bob at left dot com. And now, more with Jake Gold. Let's go to somewhere, you know, some of the more general topics. Today's music, vis-a-vis the old music, as good as the old music? Some of it is. You know, I was never... I didn't, I, I, I didn't grow up as a hip-hop fan. Oh, no, no, no. Name, uh, name two acts you think today are as good as the acts of your. I think Drake is... That's, that's Canadian. Started off on a on a high school show, the Degrassi. Who cares? Just putting it all stuff. in evidence. He retweets me. I got nothing bad to say about yeah, Drake.
1: Yeah, guy's doing great stuff, and he's, he's almost Teflon.
0: Okay, why do all the great acts come from Canada?
1: Uh, we have a great system for developing acts and allowing... Because we we support the arts, we well, be
0: a little more specific. We Those support the arts. We support
1: um, the arts through funding. We we have um, we support the arts through tax credits. We support the arts through um, access. We we live beside the greatest exporter of culture in the world, and we need to make sure that we uh, have a voice. So our government believes in supporting it, and that's not just federally; it's it's provincially, which. For those who don't know, that means, like, states. Now, I'm not saying every artist that's come out of Canada that's been successful has had that support, but it's a culture that supports. You know, Drake's TV show probably wouldn't have got made when he was on TV if if there hadn't been support for the arts. Because those TV shows and all of those things, Degrassi, were getting made with tax credits and all kinds of, you know, grants and, and loans and participation. That's how it was made. I mean, we, we, we've, we are behind in, in the movie business. There hasn't been a lot of big Canadian movies outside of maybe uh, uh, David Cronenberg. who's uh, We've had some big Canadian directors who are L.A.-based now you know Paul Haggis and um um what's his name who uh did the Titanic and uh Cameron? I Cam- yeah, Cameron I didn't know Cameron was Canadian. Oh yeah, well, listen. People don't know Neil Young's Canadian either. <laughs> no, Neil Young we know he's Canadian. <laughs> right? A lot of a lot of the Canadians have moved to the US. We're we're gradually taking over its stealth. It's like, you know, who who just bought the LA Times?
0: The no, guys uh, from and, South Africa.
1: No, a Japanese doctor.
0: No, but he's originally from South Africa. South Africa. He's Asian in heritage.
1: Right. But he wasn't born in Asia. Right. You know, I think there's a stealth thing going on. It's like the Intercontinental Hotel in uh, downtown L.A. where the conference was, uh, the Polestar Conference, is owned by Korean Airlines.
0: Okay. Is the world at large taking over America or
1: just Canadians? I think the world at large is. But it's all being done stealth. Like, no one really knows. Okay, so play
0: this out. What ultimately happens?
1: Well... You're asking me to be a soothsayer. Uh, I, I, I'll probably so you be-
0: think that while we're sleeping and we're watching our Netflix, our country is being taken over by foreign interests.
1: Hey, listen, one of the greatest shows on Netflix that I've been watching lately is a show called Dark, and it's from Germany. Right. Right. So there's the culture is coming in. So, you know, we were talking before we started this about this place I was at earlier today before I came here that does all the dubbing and subtitling and and dubbing, too. And they were saying that the demand for dubbing is so big now because the -the over-the-top platforms, the Hulus, the Amazons, the Netflix are buying programming from all over the world. And they said in the urban centers, subtitles, okay, but in the, the non-urban centers in the middle of Iowa and let's call them the red states for lack of a better term, subtitling's not okay. You got to dub it. Really? Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. There was a David Brooks editorial or opinion piece last week of the New York Times. And he's a right-wing guy for those people who don't know. Certainly not a Trump fan. Right. And he was saying that, you know, immigrants come to the cities. Everything's thriving in the cities now. And what they're fighting for in the hinterlands, they're being left behind. Because of all the progress in
1: the cities. Right, which is what, you know, your current president's whole M.O. was. Right. Right, was I'm not going to leave you behind.
0: And like everyone else the... has
1: left you behind. Okay,
0: since we're on this topic, since you're from Canada. I was. About but this. remember. You're, you're a dual citizen. I was born in New Jersey. Okay, right? but I'm asking a specific question in terms of your residency in Canada. What is the bottom line with the Canadian health care service? Anything you
1: read that says it's negative or it's bad is bullshit. It's, it's, it's based on need. Let's start from the beginning. So like I've had, I've had both my knees operated on. Right. Okay. It wasn't death. So when my, when there was an appointment and it was like, in other words, I couldn't say I want my knees operated on tomorrow. Right. We're here. I guess you could pay and get it done right away. And I'm not a pro athlete. So there was no reason to do it right away. So it was like, you know, in August, Uh, I meet with the surgeon, and he says, okay, you're going to get your knees operated on in October. And that's when it happened, and I didn't pay a dime. Okay, let's start from the beginning.
0: Totally transparent. Essentially, you're paying no money for health care other than your taxes.
1: Correct, Amondo.
0: And you get a card? Yes. Let's just assume you wake up one day, and you say, I don't feel that well. And you go to the emergency room. Is there a charge? No. Zero? Zero. Let's just assume you want to do that. You go to the emergency room. Is it readily accessible, and how long do you have to wait?
1: Depending on the day and time and where you go. It could take a long time. You could be there a, a, a long time.
0: Well, same in America.
1: Right. It could be If it's emergency, you could be there a long time. Like, that's the dread. Oh, got to go to the emergency room. Oh, no, room.
0: that's the same thing in America, believe right. me. And then, do you ever have an issue where you have a health problem and the doctor says, no, I don't believe you need treatment, and you want treatment?
1: I haven't had that issue, but remember, the doctors are still independent. So the more they see you, the more they can bill back the system.
0: So how does that work economically? Well, it's no
1: different than billing the insurance company. Since the insurance company, yeah, but it doesn't work in America. You know, forty percent goes to uh, insurance company overhead and profit. Listen, I think the healthcare systems aren't perfect. So I don't know the economics of. I can't tell you the economics on our healthcare system. I can tell you how the, that the doctor gets paid when he bills, like a lot of doctors, for instance, will not give you results over the phone in Canada. You have to go in and see them. But I have a doctor that deals with people in our industry and knows that they travel all the time and stuff like that. So he's allowed to charge a premium and he charged a couple hundred dollars a year and a couple hundred dollars a year. Allows you to get a prescription called in without him coming in to see you. Allows you to him to call you and give you your test results over the phone if you had blood tests done and all that other stuff. And you pay that yourself. That's your choice. We also have Medcan, which is like a place where you pay fifteen hundred dollars a year and they do like full on body scans and they're they're the level of your yearly checkup is, you know. Let's just say it would be better than normally what a doctor would
0: Okay, do. if I didn't pay the $1,500, I could still get a checkup. No,
1: you get your checkup, but what they do is take it to the nth degree. Okay, so they're partly subsidized and you're paying the extra. For all the rest of this, so stuff. anybody
0: can pay fifteen hundred dollars if you that.
1: want to go to Medcan. Yeah. Okay,
0: so let's say you're home,
1: and and, you're- and and guess where their offices are? Right in the heart of our equivalent in Toronto of Wall Street, Bay Street. So it's like you know, it's it's definitely there. There is a faux two tiered system. In other words, if you want to pay, there are ways to pay that will get you better treatment. The key is, is no one's going bankrupt. No one's going to die broke because they got sick. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. As an example, I had a friend. He passed away. He was an American. Got a job working in Canada in the business. Been in Canada for ten years. Uh, you know, once you're there for, for three months, you get the card. Three months. Three months. You get the card. If Do I have to
0: pledge fealty? Do I have to no, say? No, it's you an
1: landed immigrant. You, three months. There's your card. He got cancer. He got lung cancer wasn't a smoker but got lung cancer one of those things diagnosed it was bad you know stage 4 his parents live in live in the states they thought well we're going to take him to Sloan Kettering in New York we're going to take him to the best cancer hospital and he was being treated out of a hospital in Toronto called Princess Margaret Hospital which has the reputation of maybe being in the top 5 in the world and his doctor was a woman doctor, and uh, parents took him to New York, and they went to Sloan Kettering, and they they looked, they did all the tests, and they said, look, everything they're saying is what it is. Who's your doctor? He says it's this woman, and they said, well, what are you doing here? You have the best doctor for what you have in the world. The best doctor is where you are. And it cost him anything. If that had been in the U.S., his parents probably would have to mortgage their house and everything, just, and he, he, unfortunately, he passed away two years later, but just, for the chance on the hope that he would have lived kind of costs. So I I think that, that you have to, you have to look at it as, as, you know, are people dying? Are people um, going bankrupt because they're sick? That should never happen. And that's our culture. And even our conservative politicians will never touch that. They will never touch that. That is like, that's off the table.
0: Well, since we're this deep, you now have a liberal prime minister Trudeau. How's that working out?
1: I think there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of people who uh, who probably don't think he's doing an amazing job. I think he's great. My life hasn't changed that much. Uh, in some way, it's changed for the better in the arts world. Uh, there, was, there was a while there where they were cutting back on our CBC, which is our, you know, the equivalent of PBS, but it's publicly funded, meaning through the government, um, like the BBC in the UK. There was a, a chance that some of the funding to the arts was, gonna, was to, uh, you know, music and film and TV was maybe going to get cut back with the previous government. He came in and refunded everything.
0: That's great. So let's go, let's assume you come home. You come home from work or you work out of your house, but it's 6 o'clock. You're not going to work anymore. You turn on music or you turn on television? TV. What do you watch?
1: Um, (laughs) I watch the best reality show on television. That is CNN.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the Canadian viewpoint about what's going on here?
1: Uh, we shake our heads a lot. We definitely shake our heads a lot.
0: I used to have it on during the
1: day because it was on all the. T- it was in my office. I had it on. I can't have it on anymore. It's just um, even that. It's getting to me to the point of I. I can't believe this is like what what's going on here. It's like uh, so. I, I I put music on. I'll watch, uh, I record a lot of shows. Instead of going to the on-demand part of the HBO or any of those, I'll record them. And then when I come home, I'll watch them, sometimes early in the morning. Like, if I don't watch the Daily Show at night, I'll watch it first thing in the morning. Um, it's a couple of TV shows. I like Netflix. I go to Netflix a lot. But what I'll are you binge. watching on Netflix? Well, I just finished watching Dark, which is a really good series. I've only series. watched
0: the first episode. That's like a German Stranger Things. Yeah. So is it worth it? Yeah, it's great.
1: It all sort of comes to fruition, but it leaves it open for for another season, another season, of course. <laughs> which is, you know, it's it's always good and it's always bad. Um I'm always looking for new stuff. So you recommend anything though that you've seen? I like Black Mirror. Black Mirror's good. You can start at any any point in the series. You can watch season Four, you can right. watch each, each episode is independent. It's, it's the modern Twilight Zone for those of us, those people never saw the Twilight Zone. That's what it is, right? right? It's you know, although there's this whole sort of take on social media. Um, I'm digging that. What are you watching?
0: I'm just finishing the third season of Broadchurch, which is phenomenal. Okay, I got to
1: start that. Okay, I, I fa- think I watched this episode and don't remember if I did. Okay, so. I mean, where does it take place?
0: Uh, Ireland? In, in, no, in, it's coastal uh, UK, okay, coastal UK. London, okay. England. Excuse me. First and foremost, it used to be in the '70s, all good movies had subtitles. Those were the best movies. But when you have English shows, it is not based on the person being good-looking. Right. Okay? Right. So, or European shows. It's about the quality of the acting, which is so much higher. Even Meryl Streep, who I'm not the hugest fan of, it's very hard to watch a show and say, I'm not watching Meryl Streep whereas you watch these English TV shows and they blend into the character and it seems much more realistic. They're much more regular people. I really love that.
1: I mean... Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a theory on that. Okay. Okay? You don't know these people. Some of them I do. Some of them you do only because you've seen them as actors right. in other things. Right. Okay, so it used to be... Let's, we'll talk about selling out. Okay. All right? It used to be Al Pacino. You never saw him on a talk show. Robert De Niro, you never saw him on a talk show. There were show. certain
0: people who wouldn't do it. That's they right. wouldn't.
1: Now, they all do it. De Niro, Pacino. So what's your theory? The theory was is that it used to be the only way you saw them was in character. So you only knew them as those characters. You never got a chance to know them as people. It's harder for someone to be believable if you know well, them as I think that all people. may be
0: true, but a lot of these American movie stars are just shitty actors. Yeah, I think
1: I think I think that some of that is true. Okay, but too. let's 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 bring this over to music. Some of that is true too. So to what
0: degree, music, a manager would create an image and create mystery? You can't even do that anymore.
1: No, I mean, there's the I always used to say, "Don't pull the curtain back from the wizard," you know. And then I had other friends who would say, "Well, it's either mystique or mistake." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good one. I never heard that before. Right. I've known you.
1: So, but in today's marketplace, how do you address that? I think each act is different. I've never really worked in the pop world, so I don't really, I'm not that guy that kind of like, oh, I'm going to make you a star, you know, and find you songs and dancers and dress you up and everything else. I look for people that that, that have their own vision, that have their own sound, that are, you know, have a sort of sense of self and well, try and make that happen. for them. It's a long haul. That's okay. all I can tell you is you have to commit. It's a commitment. Like, even with the Tragically Hip, we signed them in 1986, We told them, when we signed them, you will play your first arena in 10 years. Now, most bands would hear that and go, I'm out. I'm out. They were like, cool. Nine and a half years later, they played their first headline show in an arena. How'd you know? Well, because we made the plan. So what was the plan? The plan was build it. Fan first. Build it, build it, build it. So in
0: retrospect, what were the key elements?
1: Listen, the, I can't deny that the record company helped because they actually backed up our plan. They backed up our plan. It was our plan, mine and my partners. But amazing live act. Gord Downey as, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest front men that's ever lived, without a doubt. So In the moment, in the moment, all the time. And I've told this story before, but I might as well tell it now. The first time I saw them was August of 1986. We we had given a cassette tape. We went and saw the band. We set up a gig, went and saw them a week later. He walks on stage. He opens his mouth. He does this jump thing and chills. And I just went to my partner. We're signing these guys tonight. Like, I knew that moment. And I had thought I'd seen it before that. And I hadn't seen it until then. And so now I'm always looking for it. Any of you have found it again? This band Common Deer has it individually there's, they don't have Gordowney, but I don't think, you know, he's, he's a whole other level of, of, uh, it. And I, I really do believe he's right up there with the, the Leonard Collins and the Bob Dylans and the John Lennons and, and places around the world, like you go to Holland and they revere him that way. Like they see him as a poet, as that kind of person. I mean, he was honored at the Grammys this year, which was quite surprising in the, in, in memoriam. I wasn't surprised that he was cause he deserved to be. But I was surprised because, you know, he never had that huge mainstream success in the United States. But it had a lot of influence, I think.
0: Okay. Staying on the same you know, in the last four or five months, there's been the whole Me Too movement. Right. And there's been a lot of—
1: Well, you've been kind of involved uh, in that. Right,
0: but I want to make it less about sexual harassment and more about female opportunity. Are there more women in the business in Canada than there are in the United States?
1: I wouldn't say that's true. I I mean, I know a lot of women in the business. Like uh, I sit on the Canadian Independent Music Association. I, I sit on the board and our chairman, the last two chairmen have both been women, chairwomen, both been women. Um, I'm on the board of the MMF, which is U- music managers forum, which is a, a manager's trade group that has chapters all over the world that started in England. Our chairman of the board is a woman.
0: Well, that would, that's, I can't say the equivalent in the United States. I would say that would be ahead of America,
1: Yeah, but it was interesting for a while there. I remember when the hip were signed to Atlantic, you know, the three most powerful people at Atlantic powerful people were women at the time, you know, right. uh, who was the head of promotion then, you remember. and He's and, still head of the promotion. Right, right, and, she, you know, and, uh, and Vicky Germaze, and, right. like, the head of publicity was was a woman. Like, they were pretty, they weren't the top, but, man, they can make a difference to make, get your record broke, right? And there was the Sylvia Rhone, like, there was a lot of women in power then. That, I think there may have been more women in power positions then than there are
0: now. So do you believe we need more women in power?
1: Yeah. And how do we do that? And I think you have to engage. I think you have to uh, you have to empower them to feel empowered.
0: Boots on the ground
1: level. What do we do? It's a tough question because we're all dealing with it. But for instance, I had at one point I had an office when I had a bigger office. I had six people working for me. They were all women, and I gave every single one of them an opportunity to be a manager. You want to be a manager, but here's here's the rules for being a manager. No different than any guy that I would bring in to be a manager. I'm not going to pay you as much as you're getting now, but you're going to get a huge upside if you sign an act and you bring, and you get a commission because now you're, now you're versus a commission, right? And every single one of them wouldn't take the deal. And why do you think that was? Maybe they just wanted the security. I don't know. But I remember even my assistant for 22 years, Shelly, she's, and you know, Shelly, she said, I'd just rather be your right hand. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be you. You think
0: they were not entrepreneurial or are they like the security? I'm
1: probably not entrepreneurial. So I think that, and that that's a whole other thing. You know, there's some really great entrepreneurial women in Canada that I do business with that are really, really good, that really know their stuff, that are running independent record labels and everything else. And I'm sure there's some here. I, I don't know as many here as, as I would there but I think that being an entrepreneur is a whole other thing. I don't think you can teach entrepreneurship.
0: I believe that it's born or you live, yeah, or you learn from you know, your family. So finally, what are the challenges you see for your, both yourself and the music business today?
1: I don't know. Getting upgraded tomorrow when I fly back to <laughs> the, my immediate, uh, my immediate uh, challenges, uh, fighting L.A. traffic today. I personally would, I, I'm always searching for that spark. You know, every day when you're a manager, you sit down at your desk or wherever it is and you hope you get some good news right? You want like a couple of pieces of good news, even one piece of good news that you can just build off of because your job is to tell everyone else, look what just happened, (laughs) (laughs) right? So you need that, and some of it you can create, but some of it, you know, it's it's left up to, like I've been watching with Commandeer, I've been watching the Spotify numbers go up every day for the past month and really climb. Like we've had, we've had 200% growth in the last month. And And I'm seeing more fans and more saves and saves is big because they're actually saving the music into their library. Those are indicators to me. Okay. Now I'm starting to get some real fans, but it's been a year later. Now I forget that with the tragically hip, I toured them for two years before we even put a record out. And that's part of the education with the bands. You know, I think, I think people always say, what's your most important job as a manager. And I'm like, manage expectations. Because you have to sit these bands down and you say, look, like, this is how long it takes if you want to have that kind of career. You know, it's like, I've said this to you, The you know, it's physics, right? The angle of incidence is equal to the angle of refraction. If you Explain
0: that for the scientifically job.
1: If your career trajectory is straight up, it's likely going to be straight down. And if you shine a light on a mirror, as you change the angle of that light on the mirror, the angle on the reflection of the light on the mirror changes also. So if you shine it straight up to the mirror, that light comes straight back down. If you shine it at 45, the reflection's at 45. And I think if you want to have a long career, you need the 45.
0: Okay. Are we saying don't go for the brass ring because it might be over quickly?
1: Yeah. I always believe, are you going to bet on yourself or are you betting against yourself? It's like, are you going to take the big publishing advance in your early part of your career? Because you think you're going to fail. You better get the money now. Or there are other people that say, Oh, take the money, and then you can do stuff with that money, so it's both, but there's no big i mean let's talk about it. there's no big publishing advances anymore until you're already big, right you know,
0: but in terms of longevity, what are the keys to
1: longevity? You have to do a fan first strategy if you're a band. If you're putting out pop singles, then you're only as big as your last single, anyways. Like you know, you earlier in our in our conversation said, you know, Kelly Clarkson, Stift, uh, uh Taylor Katie Swift, Perry, sorry, Katy Perry, they all what... Swift because they didn't have a hit, right? Now you could say, well, it's pop music; it's the way it is. But they didn't have a hit. There are hits out there; they just didn't have a hit. So they picked the wrong song, or they recorded the wrong song. Well, Neil Young had four hit records in his career. He put out thirty albums albums right he put out 30 how many were huge four five like huge right the big records so if you want to have a career you have to accept that there's going to be hills and valleys you have to accept that it's going to take a long time to get there with the thought process that you're going to be around a lot longer than everybody else
0: well, how do you stay alive though in the process you talk about the early days of the tragically hip did they have day jobs no no they were young did so they, they, they survived li- they
1: lived at home they were smart enough because, by and large, they were pretty conservative in terms of, like, their lifestyles. They weren't extravagant. It's pretty Canadian, too, to not be extravagant.
0: You get shouted out if you're too extravagant, right. you know? I always said, you know, certainly in terms of the uh, music business, Canada's like a giant high school. and that everybody knows everybody, everybody's in everybody's yeah, business. Yeah, but even
1: you look at Drake. I mean, Drake's super popular. He's not in the tabloids that often. No. He's not on red carpets. He wasn't at the Grammys. Like, he doesn't care. And you talk about, you said it earlier, you know, Metallica sells out stadiums and no one knows. Drake feels the same way. I don't care. Drake shows up at the the school in Miami the other day. He shows up at the Raptors games, you know, the, the Toronto Raptors basketball team. He's sitting first row. He's an ambassador for the team. But he's cheering for them because he just wants to be a guy. You know, he just wants to be the guy. That's a very Canadian thing. At one point, we had, in the 90s, we had five women who basically owned their genres, who were all Canadian. We had uh, Shania Twain, Celine Dion, Sarah McLaughlin, Avril Lavigne, Atlantis. Right. All five, around the same time, okay? Right. All Canadian. None of them at the time, right? Let's not talk about what happened with Shania after. Any- None of them tabloid people. None of them, because it's a Canadian thing. They're not, they're less concerned about, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's more like, here's my work, here's my work.
0: Who's the greatest Canadian musical artist of all time? Single? Yes. Greatest Canadian music artist of all time?
1: Oh, that's tough. Uh, Neil's probably right there, Leonard. Neil and Leonard. Joni Mitchell. Joni, yeah. I mean, five is easy. Uh, Gord Downey. I think he's the greatest Canadian frontman of all time. I think he may be one of the greatest frontmen ever period. For those of you, and I'm going to give this plug, for those of you who aren't familiar, there's a documentary, it's on Netflix now, called Long Time Running, and it's about their final tour.
0: Uh, For those who don't know, Gord was tragically diagnosed with brain cancer and undertook one final tour before he did pass away.
1: A year later. And this chronicles the tour from when, you know, with the band talking about seeing him when he couldn't even form words after his operation. It kind of puts the whole world into perspective. It's about triumph. It's about, you know, overcoming adversity. And it's about someone, and the prime minister's in it. (laughs) Did you see it? Yes, of course I saw it. And how would you describe it?
0: No, I think your description is accurate. Certainly if you know the band or you know Canada, the interesting thing for an American viewer who is unaware of the hip or has never seen the hip, when you see the rabidity of the arena audiences, it's almost astounding. Right. You know, the the people are mouthing every word. They're very excited about it. They're crying. Exactly.
1: (laughs) People are walking out of the the shows with tears in their eyes. I mean, you know, I went to six of those shows of the final shows and I hadn't worked with the band a long time in fact I hadn't seen them live for uh 13 years since the time I stopped working with them I hadn't seen them so they take Victoria and then they did two nights in Vancouver and I went out to Vancouver and that show was the first time I'd seen them in 13 years and bittersweet no not at all I actually really I sat in the crowd I wanted to see the show as a fan I had a great time I was completely moved uh, After
0: you stopped working with them, did you still listen to the new records? No. Of course not. No. Okay, just switching gears before we wrap it up. Tell us what you learned being a judge on Canadian Idol. I learned how to pronounce a lot of different kinds of names.
1: <laughs> a <laughs> lot I, of ethnicity in lo- Canada. To I begin learned with. a lot about ethnicity. Honestly, like, I can now see someone, know someone's name and know uh, where they're from. And I can, like, you know, your conversations with Uber drivers, right? <laughs> and you used to write about them all the time. You should write more about those. I miss those. But your conversations with Uber drivers are, are interesting. Where Are you from Sri Lanka? Are you from, uh, from, uh, from India? Are right. you from Pakistan? Uh, you know, and then you get into the food thing. And are you from Belarus or are you from Ukraine? Like, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. You can buy, buy names, right? Because
0: Although they do say, I had a cab driver back in the days before Uber in Toronto. It told me there are more ethnicities in Toronto than any other country in the world.
1: That's correct. It's more multicultural than any, and it's getting more and more multicultural. Um, it's a great place to live. I mean, Toronto's, was it Steve Martin that says Toronto's New York without all the shit?
0: Nothing like that. It right. Quote similar Did to he that. he say
1: it, it was on um, uh, 30 Rock? I think it was he, when he was on 30 Rock, he said that. It's uh, it's a great place to live. I mean, I've lived in other places, and I keep going back there.
0: Okay, but once again, anything, other lessons from Canadian Idol?
1: Yeah, it reinforced that I, I didn't want to be in the pop music business. But I learned a lot about the TV business. And I gained some new relationships from the TV business. And I actually enjoyed doing it. It was it was really fun. And it was the best non-job job I ever had because <laughs> cause I never had a job. Right, Like the only person that's ever written me a check is me. So there was the one time in my life where I actually, you know, showed up and got paid to, you know, basically, I, I remember I'd sit at my desk and I'd look at my watch thinking, when does my vacation start? And my vacation was going in to do the idol shows.
0: And you uh, legendarily aligned your other judges to negotiate for salaries? You were the manager there? More or less. I was sort of
1: like the union rep. (laughs) But, But no, but a lot of times they would take our pieces and they would do these like worldwide shows of best of the worst and all this other stuff. And so there would be a call come in and they'd have to get approval. So I would negotiate that rate for the other four and i'd say hey guys i just got us each 1500 bucks they're using this clip from here you know or something like that i was the senior business guy on the panel so more likely to be the one to do the job
0: once a manager, always a manager. You've been listening to manager extraordinaire, Jake Gold, getting the opinion and viewpoint from north of the border, the great white north. Uh, this is how it is when we go to dinner, although we argue a little more heavily. And it's even a little more difficult for me to get a word in edgewise. I hope you've enjoyed it. Till next time, it's Bob Lefsets and Jake Gold on the Bob Lefsets podcast. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Bob Sets Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, I highly recommend you do. I've already interviewed a ton of great guests, legends of the music business with stories galore, and you know there's more to come. So subscribe on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Choose your favorite. If you can't find the podcast on your preferred app, let me know and we'll make it happen. Remember, distribution is king.